So find Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 1, and I'm going to catch up with you here in just a minute. But let me kind of give you a bit of introduction of what Deuteronomy 6, the prelude to that. Moses is doing some reminiscing. Moses has uh, brought the children of Israel to the threshold, right to the doorstep of the promised land. Finally, they're there. And he's going through uh, kind of retelling a little bit of their history. He's helping them remember how God has been so faithful. He's helping them remember what an awesome God they now get a chance to represent by going into this promised land. As a matter of fact, in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 3, you, you stay in verse, uh, chapter 6, but let me just share with you something that Moses is just talking about. He's, he's given his last sermon, if you will, there to the children, and, and, he's, and he's remembering back to a time that he was face-to-face with God, presenting to him a situation, some trouble that was going on for the children of Israel. They were thirsty. And Moses was, was there before the Lord, and, and God told him, okay, here's what you do, Mo. All right, here's, here's how you go about it. What I want you to do is pick up your staff, you and Aaron, and you go over And instead of hitting the rock, I want you to speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. So Moses picks up the staff. He goes over, and and in front of the whole children of Israel, he stands there and really gives them a hard time. He just tells them what what sorry individuals they are, just how how ornery they are. They're a bunch of stiff-necked people, and he just can't believe how they're trying trying to just intimidate God. They don't believe that God can provide for their needs. And he's just giving them what for. And he's, he's so worked up in such a lather that instead of, he, instead of remembering this one little bitty thing, because remember what God told him to do, go in, he takes his staff and he hits the rock, not once, but twice. And Moses is kind of replaying that little, little episode back in his mind. And, and he's standing there in front of the children of Israel as he's preaching along and they're getting ready to walk into the promised land. And, and listen to what, what he said to God. I'm going to read it for you. It says, says uh, he was pleading with the Lord. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven and on earth who can do these deeds and mighty works that you do? Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, the fine hill country, and Lebanon. And so he was was pleading with God, God, please let me go over. All I want to do, all I want to do is just step my foot in there. I mean, this this is what I have lived 120 years for. And God very sternly, yet very lovingly, says to Moses, that's enough. That's enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. And the case was closed. It was open and shut that fast. And Moses, he understood. Now, we got to maybe put our, 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 our feet in Moses' sandals for just one second and just kind of maybe, maybe think about this just for a moment. You know, Moses could have just said, well, okay, fine. You guys, you're on your own. Y'all go. I'm out. Hey, I'm dead anyway. I'm going to die in this land. Uh, You know, God's not going to let me have any part of that. So fine. Y'all just 
Go ahead. But you know what happened? As you read on into the book of Deuteronomy, you start to see the shepherd's heart. Moses, the shepherd. Moses, who spent 40 years on the backside of the desert with a, with a bunch of sheep. And now he has spent the last 40 years with a bunch of sheep. <laughs> and yet his shepherd heart kicks in. And listen to what some of the things he goes and starts talking to the children of Israel about. Because he, he could have just washed his hands, but he said, no, 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 no. Listen, Israel, hear, O Israel, the decrees and the laws I'm about to teach you. I love you so much. I want you to succeed. Your future depends on the things that I'm going to teach you. Your future depends on success, on what I'm getting ready to say. And then notice what he says in verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, follow them so that you may live and it may go well with you in the land you're getting ready to take possession of. Wow. What a heart. What an incredible man Moses was. And then down in chapter 4, verse 9, he says, he, he continues on and says, Only be careful, watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that, that your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. And catch this. Teach them to your children. He was all about making sure that this message that God wanted them to, he wanted them to, to hold on to it so desperately. He wanted to make sure that not only did they hold on to it, but they passed it along down to their children. You talk about a one nation under God. That was the children of Israel. And Moses continues on. He, he, just, goes, he just goes into such detail and encouragement to these people, saying you've got to love God with everything. You've got to obey everything he's telling you to do. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. You stay focused on what God's got to share with you. Because your future, their future, and he's talking, maybe he's pointing at some little kids. Their future depends on your obedience. And then he goes into chapter 5, and he, he just continues right on. He says at the very tail end of verse 1 of, of chapter 5, says, says, learn them and be sure to follow them. Time after time after time, he's being repetitious with this whole idea of, look, you got to learn this stuff, but that doesn't, that doesn't get you off the hook. you got to make sure that you do it. And if you're going to learn it, you're going to do it, then you need to turn around and teach it. And all three go together because you can't omit one and expect the positive result. And Moses then, he goes into, of all things, sharing the Ten Commandments again. He goes and goes right down in detail, 1 through 10, and talks to the children of Israel, reminding them, look, this is the, old, this is the covenant that God has made with us, and this is what he expects. Live by it. And then he, he, helps, he kind of helps them remember that time that they were at Sinai. You know, when they first got the Ten Commandments, he helps them remember that incredible scene there on Mount Sinai with the cloud and the, and the thunder and the loud voice of God speaking to the children of Israel. And he says, you remember that? You remember, you remember that, whole, that whole time when the loving God told you how to love him back? And that was through the Ten Commandments? You remember that? And do you remember what you said to, to me as a result of hearing God's own words to you, the Ten Commandments? Do you remember what you said back to me? Moses reminds them, because in chapter 5, verse number 27, it says this. Moses, 
Here's what we want you to do, Moses. You go up and you listen to what the Lord has to say, and you come back down and you tell us, and we will do it. We'll do it. Whatever God says, you be the one who tells us, Moses, and whatever he says do, we're all about that. We're going to do it. We're going to hear you speak, and then we're going we're to follow it without any question. And God said, this is good. This is a good thing. But then in chapter 5, verse 29, Moses reveals this heartbreaking statement that God said to him. He kind of pulled him off to the side. And at some point during all of this, this, uh, this Transjordan, this, this Transjordan uh, trip that they made, sometime or another, shortly thereafter, the Mount Sinai experience, listen to what the Bible says. Verse 29 of chapter 5. Oh, that your hearts. God said, oh, that your hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it may go well with them and their children forever. God is lamenting here. It's, 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 it's in, the, in, the, in the phrase of being sad because he, of course, knows the future. He knows that they're going to fail, but he desires so much that they would hear him speak to them, that they would learn what God's word has to say and how to obey, and that they would do it and then pass it along to their children. That is his heart's desire. But we hear, we hear the, the heart cry of, of the heavenly father. And then that heart that Moses has, when he hears that, he kind of pushes that, that whole shepherd heart aside. And says, you know what? I'm a father too. I have children. I have a wife. And I hear God, how he's crying out for their obedience. Now Moses, his father's heart kicks in. It's no longer the shepherd's heart that he wants to see them do well. Now it's a daddy's heart that he's identifying himself with God because he hears the heavenly father's heart. And so he just says, you know what? I'm in for this. I have refused to quit. I refuse to, to let you go about your own business, to do things your way. I'm going to teach you how to do it God's way. And God commands us to do it that way. And that's where I think he kicks it into a whole other level in chapter 6. He goes into overdrive now. And he allows us to be participants in this by leaning over the shoulder as he has written this so many years ago, leaning over his shoulder and getting a chance to read this for ourselves today. Yeah, we're not the children of Israel. We're not that one nation under God. We're not the ones who, who are walking into that promised land. However, we are God's children. And these are principles, these are precepts that he expects us to obey even more so than those who failed to do it way back then. So let's look at what God has to say, beginning in chapter 1, verse number 6. It says, these are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. 
Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey. You see that? Do you see those words? In chapter, in verse 1, he says, teach. He's, I'm going so to learn you something. Now, this stuff that I'm learning you, you make sure that you obey it. So that it may go well with you. And that you may increase greatly in the land, flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is, how many? One. This is something that every, every Orthodox Jew recites every day. The Lord, the Lord our God, he is one. Verse 5, the, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. This is the old covenant. And he's saying these are the things. These are external things, I know. But these are things that have got to be on your heart. And you've got to live them out. Because there's people watching you as you live this out. And notice what it says in verse number 7. It says, impress them on your children. Now, that word impress is a very specific word. Matter of fact, that's the only place in the whole Old Testament that it's used. And the word is shenan. Shenan means to hone, like, like take a knife or a, or a, or a, or a spear or, or a, a sword or something, and you take it and you sharpen it. You sharpen it. You keep sharpening it because you, you got to go out to battle. There's a war going on, so you got to get this thing sharp. And, you know, you got to turn it on the other side and get that other side going, too. Because when you go out to battle, you got to have something to fight with. But this particular word is very, very specific. Because once you go out to battle, guess what? If you survive, you come back. And if you've used that knife or that sword or whatever, you need to sharpen it again. You need to sharpen it some more. On both sides, making sure that you get it honed and sharpened so that it is utmost efficient. And notice that word, he's using this, impress these laws. These laws that I'm learning you, that I'm teaching you. Impress these laws on who? Wow, on your children. On your children. So who's he talking to here? He's talking specifically to moms and dads. Impress them on your children. Whenever you, you, you've learned something, then you need to go impress it on them. You're going to send them off into the, into, the, into the world? Guess what? When they come back, you got to hone them some more. you got to keep it going. And see, that's, that's our mindset. But then there's a method that he talks about. Look at what it says in the tail end of verse 7. It says, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk down the road, when you lie down, when you get up. In three of those places, three of the four places, three of them are where? Home. And this is Moses talking to the children of Israel, saying, it is up to you to obey, and then it's up to you to, to, to do what God is telling you to do, and then it's up to you to share it with your family. And you have all sorts of times to do that in the natural rhythm of your day. As you're, as you're going down in the minivan, okay, talk about God. As you're right before bedtime, talk about the Lord. When you get up, talk about the Lord. In the natural aspects of you just going about your day, bring God up is what he's saying. And then it says in verse 8, it says, Then tie them 
as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Can you just imagine? Can you just imagine as, as the children of Israel standing back and they're listening to all, of the, of all what Moses is teaching them and the moms and dads and, and the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and everybody's nodding their heads saying, yep, okay, we got this. We got this because we told you whatever God tells you, we're going to do it, okay? So we're, we're, we're in. Can you just imagine as Moses is talking about this door frame and this, and this house that there's a little kid tugging at his mom or his dad's sleeve saying, hey, what's a door frame? See, all they ever knew was, was the desert. A kid of anywhere of 40 years old or younger they didn't live in any houses. They didn't have any idea. They had no concept. All they knew was the desert. And all they knew was that God was enough. God had always given them just enough. They, they weren't rich people. I bet they were pretty thin. <laughs> but they, they, they loved their life. And they knew that what God was going to give them was a precious gift. And Moses was trying to prepare them for this precious gift. Moses understood all the dangers of the people that currently occupied the promised land. And so he was preparing them, letting them know that it, it all still depends on God. He was sufficient for you back in the desert. He will be sufficient for you in the promised land. He will always be sufficient for you. And then notice what goes on here in verse 10 says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you a land with large and flourishing cities that you didn't build, houses filled with all kind of good things you didn't provide, wells you didn't dig, and vineyards and olive groves you didn't even plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, put your finger on that word satisfied. Maybe your translation may have a different word there, but I think you probably get the point. That word satisfied in the, in the Hebrew language is the word savah. And it means to be a glutton. Now we don't understand really what that means. Unless of course you've been to um, like the Golden Corral. Have you ever been to Golden Corral and been a, been a glutton? Uh. How about, uh, how about Daniel Boone in? No, no stepping on your toe there, brother. Sorry. I have to be honest. Anytime I go to Carabas, I always get one too many baskets of bread. Okay? That's my, that's my sin. All right? Uh, so we know what it means to be a glutton. And whenever you're pushing back from that, that dinner table, and, in the, and so it's really in that moment that you stand up. Oh, did I just eat that much? That we understand what that word means to be a glutton. And that's specifically the word that Moses is using right here. Because didn't Moses, did, he, he, he had a very specific understanding of probably what that word was really all about. Because remember the four, first 40 years of his life, where did he spend it? In the palace of the Pharaoh, where everything was right there at his fingertips. He wanted for nothing. But yet he has spent the last 80 years understanding that all I need is God. 
And so he understood the temptation that these children of Israel were going to be facing. Not only the, the incredible uh, people that they were going to have to fight and, and, and their wicked ways, but just the, the aspect of living in the land was something that they were going to have to deal with. Because remember, they're coming from the, the aspect of being in the desert where all they had was just enough. They just had enough for that day, no more. And so whenever they're going to be standing in front of a, a banquet table every single day, notice what Moses, the next thing out of his mouth, after he uses that word, notice the, the first thing that he says. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. I mean, you're just thinking, man, how in the world could they possibly forget God? I mean, they, they brought, God brought them out of Egypt. God brought them to Mount Sinai, gave them the law. God brought them now to the doorstep 40 years later, but to the doorstep of the promised land. How could they possibly forget God? Well, we kind of can probably identify with that because whenever we get satisfied, when we get comfortable, when we get a little bit to the point of, ah, oh, I've made it, who's the very first person we always forget? It's God. So we can identify with these guys actually pretty well. But Moses is not, because I, I believe that Moses isn't only talking to the children of Israel. I think several thousand years later, he's, he's speaking to us. But he's preparing these people. He's getting them ready. They're going into the promised land. So he's saying, okay, now listen up. Here's what I want you to do. Verse number 13. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Look at what it says in verse 14. It says, do not follow other gods, the gods of the people among you. Verse 16. Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massa. They didn't believe that God was able to, to sustain them. So he's saying, look, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't even be a part of that. And then verse 17 says, and then be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and the decrees he has given you. And so basically what he's telling them to do is focus. You got to keep your focus. Because let's look at these just one more time. Fear the Lord your God and serve nobody else. Do not follow other gods. There's only one God. But yet they were walking into a, 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 a different countries and nations of people who followed numerous gods. None of them which were Yahweh. It says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Always believe that he will be just enough and he will always supply your need. And then make sure that you follow everything. I've taught you. You're ready for this. And we've got to remember, Moses, he's not getting to go into the promised land with them. He's having to stay back. And all, all that we know that he committed was the one sin, which ought to tell us something very, very important. When much is given to the servant of God, much is required. And why does God want us to focus well, you find it really in verse 15. Look at what it says in verse 15. It says, For the Lord your God who is among you, he's a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you. And he will destroy you from the face of this land. Some prophecy here, there perhaps? I believe it is. 
And so Moses, he goes through the rest of the book of Deuteronomy telling them basically the same thing. Look, you got you to learn what God's word says. You got to do what God's word says. And then you got to teach it because there's a future at stake. And then Moses gets to go up to Mount Pisgah and the Lord takes him. And Joshua is the one who enters into the promised land. And it says in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 3, the Lord told him, he says, now look, Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all these children of Israel, and you go and you take over the promised land. Everywhere you put your foot, it's yours. You put your foot right here, it's yours. You put your foot here, 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 it's all yours. And you know what? If you don't put your foot over there, it's not yours. And so Joshua the second Moses leading them into the promised land, they did wonderful for a while. Because God told them, says, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into the land and I want you to wipe the pagans out. Totally obliterate them. Don't intermarry with anybody. And whenever you see any kind of their altars or their little, their little statues that they worship, destroy them. And for a long time, they did a good job with that. You see in the book of Joshua, these battles that they, they just, just obliterate the other people. But you know what? That glutton word, what Moses warned them about, it kind of kicked in. They got a little lax. They got a little comfortable. They got enough. Okay, we're doing good. So how did it all turn out for them? Look at what the Bible says in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It's there on the screen. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. What happened? Well, as they got in and they started redecorating the homes, as they got in and started kind of mingling in with their neighbors, as they got in and started eating from the olive groves and the grape, grape vines, what Moses had warned them about, they lost their focus totally. And they forgot to do Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. They forgot to impress God's word on their children's hearts. How can we explain it? Well, it's because they didn't even know who God was or what he had done. And so, here's a, a sad, sad story to the one nation that was under God. And it all started back with that shepherd who then became this, who had the heart of a father who wanted to see the children succeed. I dare say there's not a person in this room who, do, who does not want to see their family members, the ones who come after them, no matter what age you are today. There's not a single person in this room who would not have that same feeling that Moses did. You want to see something better for the next generation. Am, am, I, am I off in saying that, or is that correct? Then where does it start? It starts back at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse number 29. Look at what the Bible says. And this is a little different translation because I think it hits it just a little more square. Oh, that they would always have hearts like this, that they might fear me and obey all my commands. If they did, they and their descendants would prosper forever. 
forever. That's where it all starts. It all starts with the condition of your heart. Oh yeah, I can, I can, I can obey this. Sure, I can, I can do that. I can do the study and then I can, I can teach. But if your heart isn't so inclined that you're not just doing it just for a checkoff or you're just not doing it just so that you can kind of make sure that the next generation moves on. If you're doing it for any other reason other than this, because you fear the Lord and because the Lord has called you to do this, it's just going to fall apart because it's not all matched. So what's God really teaching us through the whole book of Deuteronomy and in particular chapter 6? I think it's pretty simple. It's right here. I think he wants us to learn God's word, do God's word, and then I think he wants us to teach God's word. Go ahead to the next slide. There you go. Listen to what he says in verse 1. These commands, decrees, and laws, the Lord your God directed me to teach you. Observe them. Look, you got to be a learner. Hear Israel and be careful to, what's that word? Now we can obey because we just know we need to. Or we can, we can be a learner and we can be a, a doer because we want to please our God in doing so. See, there's the huge difference and there's where the disconnect cannot be severed. Because we have got to impress them on our children. Because we love the Lord. We fear Him. We desire to honor Him with our lives. We're not just going to our jobs and then just saying, okay, well, I'll do my, my job thing and then I'll come back over here and I'll, and I'll do my home and church thing here. No, it's, 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 it's God is all a part of every aspect of our lives. And that's when he gives us that method of how to do it. Do it as you're in your normal rhythm of life. And then he tells us where we need to focus. Because sometimes we can, we can get ourselves a little, little cocked a little bit. We can get ourselves a little out of, out of whack. And that's why... That's why uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says we got to meet together because we got to encourage one another. We got to sharpen one another. We've got to be the ones who hold each other accountable. And he says that we got to focus. He says, fear the Lord your God, serve him. Now, what's such a big deal about that verse? Jesus used it. Yeah, Jesus actually used that verse. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13. Remember when he was being tempted by Satan? Remember that? He didn't just like get his little Bible out and hmm. He had known God's word. And he quoted this verse to Satan. When Satan says, hey, I want you to serve me. He says, look, dude, you got to fear the Lord your God. Serve him only, Jesus says to Satan. What's such, what's such a big deal about verse 14? Well, if you'll notice, it's the first commandment. Do not follow anybody else but Yahweh. Throw all the rest of them. Like he told the children of Israel, destroy the rest of them. What about verse 16? What's so important about that? Well, there again, when Jesus was being tempted there in the garden, chapter 4, verse 7, he quotes this verse. When he says, when, when Satan says, hey, just throw yourself down. God, he'll send some angels or something. He'll, he'll take care of you, Jesus. You know, you're special. Jesus says, don't put the Lord to God to the test. He's quoting scripture. And I put that last one up there because that's just a good idea. <laughs> Be sure to keep all the commands of the Lord your God. Matter of fact, if you read back in verse, verse 5 of chapter 6, what's that, what's that verse say? Look at it. I'll let you cheat. Go ahead. What's it say? Verse 5 says, do what? Love what? Love God with all your heart, with all your, and with all your, 
What's he leaving out? Absolutely nothing. And that's exactly what God wants us to do today in our homes, in our church, in our community, and yes, in our nation. He wants us to be people who are learners and doers and teachers of God's word, and then we are focused and we're not going to waver. And my call out, God's call out, God's word is calling out to every single one of us and saying, where do you stand? Where do you stand? Are you praying for your families? Are you praying? You, you may be a widow, a widower, and, and, and you know what? It's still the same question. Are you praying for your family? Are you praying for your neighbors? Are you praying for the people that you, that you work with? Because you know what? When you start praying for people, your heart starts to get a little more tender toward others. And when you start getting tender toward others, you get an opportunity to tell somebody about the Lord. And so today, this morning, I challenge you with what God's Word has been challenging me with as I've studied and prepared for this message. And it's just simply one thing. I want to be an awesome learner of His Word. I want to just, I want to just eat this, this word. I want to just, just let it saturate every, every aspect of my thoughts, every aspect of my actions. Not only do I want to learn God's word, but I want to do it. Because what's the Bible say? Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of God's word. Because anytime that you are learning something and then authentically and, and without any, any, any hypocrisy doing God's word, and remember, when you let hypocrisy come into the aspect of doing, you start losing that whole aspect of being able to teach somebody. Because I want to make sure that we pass this thing along. So as we come into our time of invitation, this altar is open for you. Because perhaps this morning you need to ask the Lord, Lord, let me be a good doer. Let me be a great learner. Because God, I want to honor and I want to please you. Because God... I remember what you said in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29. I want to fear you, and I want your heart to be glad in my life. And so let me just ask you just to bow your heads, just to close your eyes. It's time for you to do business with the Lord.